Welcome to the harbor. Hope you guys are doing well. You guys are doing well tonight? Almost through January. It's very exciting. Hey, before we move forward into the teaching, just wanted to let you know about um, just a quick announcement. Um, and as you see on your seat, there's a couple of flyers. The first is for community groups. It has Brianna encouraged us. Let's get connected to community. The second is um, this white and black flyer, and it is about the Harbor Summer Missions Trip. We're very excited about this trip. It will be July 22nd through 29th of 2019. A couple quick dates for you. Um, applications for this trip are due February 22nd, which is just about a month from now. And uh, something that we're gonna do that we haven't done in the past is we are actually going to have an information meeting after the harbor on February 7th, which is in two weeks. And that's a non-committal, just wanna let you know, give you a little bit of information. You're gonna get to hear some stories from people who have gone on a missions trip before and get to ask questions and kind of get any uh, questions that you have out of the way. Now, for us personally, just a quick kind of introduction to missions trips for what we believe at this church as well as at the harbor is this. Um, we really believe in, in two things for missions trips. Number one is uh, we really want to be a blessing to local churches and local organizations, whether they're Jamaica or whether they're anywhere else. We are personally going to Jamaica, to Montego Bay. We've gone, uh, this will be our third trip. And so we built, believe in building relationships with organizations on the ground there and being a blessing to them uh, over time. And so we don't wanna just show up, take some cool pictures, feel good about ourselves and come back, but we wanna actually make a difference and make an impact there. And we're trying to do that through long-term relationships. And uh, actually one of the pastors down in Jamaica, Pastor Dave Faulkner is one of my good friends and he's gonna come spend some time with us at the Harbor in a couple of months. So that'll be very exciting. So we believe in that, that long-term partnership, and each missions trip that we go on, we try to build a little bit into that partnership, but we also believe that missions trips can be very transformational for you personally. And if you've never been on a missions trip, uh, then you maybe don't understand, but if you have been, you know that, man, missions trips can really change your life. They can change your perspective. It's amazing to take a step of faith, get out of your comfort zone, and actually experience like what it is like to go out somewhere to see God provide financially so you can go on the trip to see God provide in so many different ways. And so I really believe and I have personally seen that anyone who has been like, man, I really feel like I want to go or I feel like God is leading me to go. Like God has really provided in so many ways for people to go. I have been uh, on almost 10 short term missions trips. I've led four. And each time that I've been, I've seen God provide in miraculous ways. I've never seen anyone who really felt led by God to go on a trip not be able to make it because of financial reasons or because of any other reason. And so I believe that God uh, will, will definitely provide if he guides you to go. And so be praying about it. We have a couple of weeks. Um, there's a bunch more information on this flyer. There's also information on how to apply. And so it's going to be uh, easy to apply and easy to go. But be praying and seeing if God might lead you. Sound good? Amazing. Hey, um, we're going to pass out Bibles. If you need a Bible, you can raise your hand. If you have a Bible, uh, turn with me to Leviticus chapter 19. That's pretty intense. Give me a shout out for Leviticus. Leviticus is so good. Um, I promise it's going to be a very rich time and uh, we'll get there in just a second. 
But for now, I have a question for you. Have you ever done something in your life that was like dumb enough that the moment you did it, you knew that it was a really bad idea? I'm not talking about like hindsight's 2020. Six months later, you look back and you're like, yeah, that probably wasn't the best decision ever. Like, I'm talking like right as it was happening, you're like, this is bad. Yep. You guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Nod your head if you're like, yeah, yep. that's, I've been there before. I have a couple of those stories. Um, one of them, uh, I was telling our team, and they were like, you got to tell that story. And I was like, I, I can't tell too many of these because I got to preach a bunch more sermons to you guys. So I'm going to hold back on one of them, but it's coming at some point, I promise. But this one, um, I, it's, it happened in the ninth grade. And uh, I, I don't even know if Katie knows this story. We'll, we'll see. Um, but so, as you guys may or may not know, I'm a big fan of, of the Carolina Panthers. And uh, at the time, in ninth grade, I was even a bigger fan of the Carolina Panthers. And so, not only that, but at the time, I was like a lot more superstitious than I am now. Like I was really believing in like the fact that I had control over the outcome of the Panthers game. Still kind of do, but not as much as I did. And so I would wear the same shirt. I had this like perfect outfit plan where I had this specific jersey that I wore. I had a specific hat I wore. I had a specific undershirt I wore. When the Panthers were on offense, I would stay seated. When they were on defense, I would stand up. Like I had it down to a science, y'all. And I know what you're thinking. And no, I didn't have a lot of friends in that year. <laughs> the point being, the other thing you have to realize is um, back, I mean, it still exists, but it's not as big. Back in the day, there was this magazine called Sports Illustrated, and it was a really big deal to be on the cover of Sports Illustrated. Like, Michael Jordan was on the cover like 50 times. Tiger Woods is on the cover. It was known, like, if you made it to the cover of Sports Illustrated, you made it. But that being said, there was also this sort of thing that was called like the Sports Illustrated Jinx, which means like if you made it on the cover of Sports Illustrated, like you were gonna end up like hurting yourself or failing in some way. So here's what I did in ninth grade. Again, keep in mind, not a lot of friends. I would like Photoshop the pictures of the opposing team for the Panthers onto a fake Sports Illustrated. And then me and my friend Zach Edge, shout out to Zach Edge, we would go outside my house at halftime of the Panthers games, pour lighter fluid on the picture, and burn it. Pretty cool. And it worked, guys. Panthers, like, were crushing it back then. But there was this one time, this one season, where it was like, look, it wasn't happening as good. Panthers were having a losing season. Him and I got together, and we're like, here's the deal. We got to upgrade. We don't need lighter fluid anymore. Our team needs us, we're going to pour gasoline on these pictures and burn them. Highly do not recommend this, as you're about to find out. But, uh, so what happened was we lit the paper on fire of the opposing team, and I took a gallon jug, you know, that you fill up a lawnmower with, of gasoline, and I poured it from like this high onto the fire. The fire shot up the stream of gasoline. Gallon of gasoline. 
Oh and I swear God. to you guys, like, I cannot believe that I'm standing here today with two of us. Like, I should need a headset. You guys know what I'm saying? Because, like, I like I really believe God, like, stopped the gasoline because it stopped on the spout. And, like, the spout is, like, flaming fire. Oh, My buddy Zach Edge bails. He's running. And I, like, had to unscrew this thing and chuck it. And I can't believe it. Like, I should have died that day in a fireball. But anyways, the point of the story is that we are talking about this idea of fan the flame. That, my friends, is called a segue, just to let you know. <laughs> and so we're talking about this idea of fan the flame. And I was specifically thinking, okay, like, what does it mean to fan the flame of community? Because here's the thing. The idea of this series of fan the flame is this that we would actually prioritize what God is doing in our lives. When God speaks to us, when God puts something on our hearts, we don't act like it's no big deal, but we actually make room for it and we invest in it with our time and our resources and our priorities and our focus. And so last week we talked about the fact that not only are we just going to fan the flame of multiple things, but we are specifically going to fan the flame of community. And that community is something that for us is not optional for a believer, but that we want to invest into Christian community. And I really believe God invites us into Christian community. And so what I was thinking was, what would it be, what is the gasoline that when you pour gasoline on Christian community, like it ignites a fire of Christian community? I'm not talking about bad fire that's going to blow off my arm anymore. I'm talking about like, how do we as a community, what would it look like for God to really bless that. And so first off, before I answer that question, I want to take a step back and share with you a little bit about the vision of what we truly want for each and every single person who walks into the harbor. It's something that we call the four D's. The four D's. The first D is this, decision. We want every single person who enters into the harbor to like make a decision to follow Jesus. We want them to follow Jesus as their savior, but also as their Lord. So you're not just here to get your sins forgiven, to get out of hell free. You're actually wanting to say, you know what? Jesus is my king. I want to follow him. I want to obey him. The second thing is we want every single person who walks into the harbor to have discipleship in their lives. What that means is that you have people, community around you who is going to help you, who is going to encourage you, who is going to invest into your life to give you support and accountability and help whenever you need it. So discipleship. Number three, we want every single person who walks into the harbor to have devotion to God. We've been talking about the fact that God actually invites us to walk with him. He wants us to not just know about him, but specifically and intimately know him. And so we want you to have unhurried and consistent time with the Father through scripture reading, through prayer, through worship to him. And then the last thing is we want direction. That you would actually, through your relationship with Christ, that you would know God's specific call for your life. And that you would also be excited about pursuing what God's plan is for like every single Christian. So these are the four D's, decision, discipleship, devotion, and direction. And I know that it can be easy and it can kind of be this thing that's like, okay, it's kind of heady. These are four terms. But here's what I want you to imagine with me for a second. Look at this list and imagine with me 
the person that you most want to meet Jesus. I believe that every single person in here has like a person in their life that you're like, man, I am praying for them and I am hoping for them that they would encounter God. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a coworker, somebody that you've been asking God to save for like a really long time. And imagine what their life would look like if they walked into here or if they walked into another place and they made a decision to actually follow Jesus. If God brought them into community where they were getting support and friendship and encouragement, if they actually learned what it would be like to pray and to read the scripture, if they actually discovered God's divine purpose for their life, like wouldn't that be an incredible thing to see that person that you're praying for, like have that where they walk in that in their life? Do you guys agree with me that that would be an amazing thing? And so that's what we want. And the question is, like, how does that happen? And what would it look like to, like, pour gasoline on that reality where we actually, God would ignite this community into revival? And what I believe, and this is kind of the big idea for tonight, I believe that there is something that you and I can participate in that would help this process happen. And so the big idea that we're going to talk about tonight is this, the gasoline on the fire of community is biblical hospitality. I'm going to read that again. The gasoline on the fire of community is biblical hospitality. Now, here's the thing. Biblical hospitality, I don't think, is like the most sexy thing ever. Like, none of you guys were like, let's go, biblical hospitality, come on. <laughs> like, maybe you were like, here's what we're going to do. Fan the flame of this community. We're going to get, like, Bethel to roll out here. We're going to get, like, Louis Giglio and John Piper to speak. It's going to be absolutely insane. Tons of people are going to come. It's going to ignite a fire for God in this community. And everyone's like, let's go. Let's do it. It's a free event. This is incredible. I'm going to invite all my friends. Like, that's awesome. But, like, that, I, I, I mean, maybe that will happen. And if it does, let's go. I'm in. <laughs> but what I believe is that, that this idea of biblical hospitality is actually a lot less sexy on the outside but can be so transformative to our community and transformative not just to these people who are in this room, but transformative to the outside community of Brevard County as well. So we're gonna talk about biblical hospitality. Maybe you know what I'm talking about when I say that, or maybe you're like, what is biblical hospitality? Sounds weird. Either way, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna take a deep dive. Look with me if you're already there, Leviticus 19, verse 33. God is talking in this to the people of Israel, his chosen people. He's giving them a law and a code by which to live. This is about 2,000 years before Jesus Christ. And this is just one of the things that he gives them, but I think it's so fascinating and so interesting. Look at this, Leviticus 19.33. God says this, he says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as you love yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now I want you to think back, if you were here with us last week, to what we discussed. We discussed the fact that Jesus Christ like, changes everything about us. And that Jesus doesn't just make us go from bad to good, but he actually makes us go from dead 
to alive. Jesus does a miracle in our lives through the gospel. And so we get peace with God. We get forgiveness for our sins. We get access to actually walk with God through this life. But what we talked about was that there's this chain reaction that happens at that time where not only do we get peace with God, but we also, in addition to that, get this community around us. And so the amazing thing that we discover here is that what God's heart is, is that we would get saved, that we would get into community, but then in addition to that, that we would look around to those around us, maybe those who are foreigners, maybe those who are people who aren't like us, maybe those who are outside of the faith, and we would extend to them the same love with which we love ourselves. That we would extend to them the exact same treatment as someone who would be a family member or would be a friend. The idea is this, that it used to be that the the Israelite community, they had kind of created these barriers of there's those who are inside and there's those who are outside. We learned last week that God tore that division down. The only qualification you need is you need to be in Christ, and if you're in Christ, you're welcome into the family. But then what we discover is not only that, but the outside inside was never supposed to happen. In fact, God's heart would be that even if someone was not part of the family of God, even if someone was not an Israelite, even if they just moved into the land, God said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to treat them the same way that you would treat anyone else. There should be absolutely no difference. I want you to practice hospitality. Welcome people. Don't create barriers and divisions. And this is something that is not just found in Leviticus. If you move into the New Testament, multiple times we see this idea of hospitality. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Romans chapter 12, verse 13 says, seek to show hospitality. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 says, an overseer or a church leader must be, among other things, hospitable. And then this is the crazy verse about hospitality. This is the one that, like, you read it and you're like, say what now? Like, excuse me? Look on the screen, Hebrews 13, 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby... Some have entertained angels unaware. Like, that's a mind-blowing verse. Like, if you're kind to someone, you invite someone out to coffee, you grab lunch with someone, it is possible that at some point, somebody in this room has, without knowing it, like, been nice to an angel. That's wild, right? Like, think about this. You get to heaven, and it's the new heavens and the new earth, and you run into it, and you're like, hey, your name's Phil, right? We have coffee. And Phil's like, yeah, I'm an angel. <laughs> and you're like, they have angels named Phil? And you're like, yeah, you're looking at it. That'd be weird. Right? Think about it like if, like, it's like Gabriel, Michael, the archangel of God, and also the angel named Phil. <laughs> Just stuff I think about. Still don't have many friends, just in case you're right. 
But here's the idea. Don't neglect to show hospitality. Now, what does this word hospitality mean? If you look in the Greek and take a deep dive into this, by the way, don't know Greek, but I do have Google. This means this, philoxenia, a love to strangers, or philoxenos, a generous to guests. And we can actually, if you even break that word down, the word xenophobia, a fear of those who are outside, that's where that idea of foreigner is. And then philo, uh, there is the word love or kindness, the word philanthropist, we come from that. That's like a love or a compassion, so it's compassion for those who are outside. Make sense? So this is the idea. The, the hospitality is a love or a kindness to those who are not in your crew. Right? So we all have a crew. We all have people who are like, this is going to be the person that stands next to me at my wedding. We have like a million text messages with them. We send gifts. We send bitmojis to them. Like these are people who are in our crew. By the way, I don't send bitmojis, but I know people who do. So this is crew. But what hospitality is, is this. Hospitality is, I wouldn't normally spend time with you. We don't naturally maybe connect. We don't have a ton of stuff in common with each other, except that God has brought you into my life. God has brought us across our paths. And God has saved me. He's put love in my heart. And therefore, I'm going to extend kindness to you. So the big idea is if every single person in here were to practice biblical hospitality, that this would truly ignite the fire of community in our er, of community within our midst. So here's what I want to do. I want to do three, uh, four things here. First, I want to talk about the why of hospitality. Secondly, we're going to talk about the how of hospitality, and then I want to share just a couple of quick encouragements to us. And then we'll be done. First off, I want to talk about the why of hospitality. There is a book that has been released recently called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. It's on my list to read, but in addition to that, I've seen this documentary that goes along with the book, and it tells the story of a lady named Rosaria Butterfield. By the way, epic name. And so Rosaria Butterfield, she was at one time a staunch atheist. She was a professor uh, at Syracuse University, and she was this very active leader within the LGBTQ community. So what I want you to hear is this person was not someone who was just like, let's be tolerant of everyone. This person was genuinely, staunchly against followers of Jesus. Like, she was the kind of person who was researching a book against followers of Jesus and talking about how uh, just completely like bigoted and hate-filled they were. So she wrote this piece in the New York Times about this concept that followers of Jesus were intolerant and cruel and really like they're dangerous to society. Well, interestingly enough, one of the pieces that, uh, of mail that she received back after she wrote this was from this pastor and his wife. And they didn't argue with her. They didn't try to convert her. They invited her to dinner. And so she went over to dinner. And she says in this interview, they didn't try to witness to me. They didn't invite me to church. We just had dinner and they got to know me. And then they invited me back next week. 
and then the week after that, and the week after that. And she said, over the course of two years, I experienced the love of God within their home. That's the biblical story of hospitality. That's why we practice hospitality. Three reasons why we practice hospitality. Number one is this. We used to be outsiders, but Jesus brought us in. We have to get this concept around our minds, is that every single person in here used to be an outsider. Every single person in here was at one point an enemy of God. We were dead in our trespasses and our sins. And then God, because he loved us, he sent Jesus to die for us. He sent Jesus to forgive us of our sins, to bring new life to us. And so the idea and the cycle that happens is God brings us into the family, but then from there, our call and our responsibility, now that we are in the family, is to turn around and say, I used to be outside, and so because of what Jesus has done for me, I want to invite someone else back into the family. That love that Christ has shown me should motivate me to turn around and invite someone back in. I remember when I was uh, moving here seven and a half years ago. I moved to this community of Brevard County and of Melbourne, and I only knew two people. And I tried to start building friendships and making friendships within this community. And partially, it was like very unsuccessful. I would reach out to people and, and they would ignore me. I would try to set up a, a coffee or set up a time to, to get to know someone and I would never get anything back. A lot of times when I talked with different people, I was approached with a lot of skepticism. It was almost like, man, I don't really have time for you. And it was really difficult and really challenging. And I've heard from different people that that has been sometimes their experience. Maybe it's in this church, maybe it's in another. And if that's true, that's really hard and, and I'm really sorry that that has been your experience. But I kept coming back and I discovered a group of people who did truly love me, who invited me over for Thanksgiving when I didn't have anywhere to be, who saw me broken down in the church parking lot and drove me to Walmart, bought a battery and installed it in my car, who, who would reach out to me and who would pray for me and who would encourage me. I, I met one of my best friends in the world at a men's retreat, and he invited me into his life, and that changed my life. And so I experienced both sides of this. I experienced what happens when you walk in and no one is welcoming to you. But I also experienced what happens when someone invites you into their life and how life transformative that can actually be. And so what I want for us is for that to be our reality as a community. I really believe that sometimes when people walk in here, it's not the message that, that causes them to turn away. It's the fact that maybe no one talked to them. Maybe no one reached out to them. Maybe no one invited them into their life. And my prayer and hope is that we are all a community where we model this hospitality, where we model openness, where we invite people in. And so we used to be outsiders, and Jesus brought us in. So because of that, we should invite others. The second thing is this. The why of hospitality is those are, that are on the outside are valuable to God. The amazing thing about the gospel is it has this giant neon sign that comes with it that says God loves those who are far from him. 
And the truth is, if you feel far from God tonight, God loves you. God welcomes you. God invites you in. The very existence of the gospel proves that God loves his enemies, the people who are far from him. He has a heart for those who are far from him. And he wants everyone to walk with him and be with him. And if you look throughout the scripture, you see this theme pop up over and over again that God has this heart for people who are walking away and wandering away from him. And the truth is, if God has this heart, then we should have this heart. It's so easy for us to get locked in with the people who are comfortable with us, with the people that we like to talk to, that we get their jokes, that we can finish each other's sentences. But God's heart is not just for those people. It's for the people who are far away. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, God says this. He says, learn to do good. Seek justice. Help the oppressed. Defend the cause of the orphans. Fight for the rights of widows. And part of this is looking at people that society has truly rejected and looking to help them and to lend a helping hand to them. But I really believe that another part of this is that we can practice this every time we walk into the heart. We can practice this just by looking around and saying, there's somebody here who no one is talking to. There's someone here that actually needs someone to reach out and show them love and compassion. And we can practice this idea of hospitality, of fighting for those who need it the most, just with this simple idea that God loves those who aren't in right. And I really believe that the main reason that God invites us inside is so that we can turn around and help those who are outside. So we practice the why, because those who are on the outside are valuable to God. The last why is this, when we serve others, we love Jesus. When we serve others, we love Jesus. And a lot of us want to love Jesus. A lot of us are like, God, whatever I can do to extend love to you, that's what I want. And so I think a lot of times we picture, like, I'm coming in here, I'm worshiping God, I'm singing praises to him, that's loving Jesus. And I really believe that's true, that's expressing the love of Christ. But the crazy thing is, Jesus tells this story, and he looks ahead to the end of time, and he says, there's going to be a day where everyone stands in front of me, and we're going to be judged. And he says the righteous are going to get taken into heaven. And when they get taken into heaven, this is what Jesus is going to say to them. He's going to say, I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And the righteous are going to say to Jesus, they're going to say, when did this happen? I never saw you. I never gave you clothes or welcomed you into my home. And Jesus is going to say to them, when you did it for the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. And so as we extend the love of Christ to each other, and specifically as we extend the love of Christ, not just to the people who are easy to love, who are convenient to love, but as we extend the love of Christ to those that are outside of our comfort zone, we are literally loving Jesus. When we buy somebody a cup of coffee, when we give a gift card 
to subway to a homeless man, when we talk to someone at Harbor and invite them to community groups, any of those things, we're not just doing it for us. We are actually loving Jesus this way. And so what is the why of hospitality? The why is that we used to be outsiders, but Jesus welcomed us in. God has a heart for those who are on the outside. And when we serve Jesus, we love others. Next, I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the how of hospitality. I hope by now you're at least in a place of saying, Brian, I want to be hospitable. How do I do it? And, and the how is pretty simple. Here's the how of hospitality. Slow down, look around, and invite someone into your life. Slow down, look around, and invite someone into your life. The truth is, when things are busy, we go with what is easy. When things are busy, we go with what is easy because things are in the air. We're trying to just catch up. We're trying to keep up. We got a million things that we're trying to accomplish. And so we don't have time to pause and look around and see if there's anyone that God is bringing into our path. And hospitality is challenging. It is inconvenient. It takes planning and organization sometimes to invite someone into your life. And so take a minute to slow down, to declutter, and then look around. And see who God might be bringing into your life. Oftentimes, we don't have to go to Jamaica for God to do something in our life. We can look around this room and God can bring someone into our life that we can show his love. Amen. You don't have to feel condemned. There's only going to be 20, 25 people from this crowd that are going to Jamaica. But all of us can look around and invite someone to show them love. And the thing that I love is this idea of inviting someone into your life means you don't have to do something crazy inventive. You don't have to completely change what you're doing. You just have to invite someone lovingly into what God is already doing in your life. Here's three super practical ways that we can show hospitality. First off, look for someone after the harbor and talk to them. Like if you've been coming to the harbor for a while, like you're part of the family. Look, some, look for someone who's not part of the family. Have a conversation with them. We have uh, our group of servant leaders who serve at the harbor. We tell them for the first 15 minutes, be on the lookout. Be on mission for the first 15 minutes after the harbor. Because after that, most people are not going to stand around for more than 15 minutes if they're not being shown love. And so we're on the lookout to see how we can serve people in those first 15 minutes. You can join us. You don't have to fill out a volunteer application. If you want to, we'd love for you to come and join our crew. It's awesome. But at the same time, every person can be an ambassador for Christ at the harbor because every person can look around and show someone and tell someone that God loves them. So look for someone after the harbor. Talk to them. Invite them out to Chili's afterwards. Number two, invite someone to community group. Like, honestly, like, if you're already going to community group, you don't have to invent some crazy new activity and be like, hey, I want you to come with me. It's scary to go to community group. Some of you in this room are like, God is calling me to get more connected to community, but I'm afraid to do it. Maybe you could be that person to say, hey, I want, I'm going to community group already. Roll with me. I'll invite you. I'll sit with you. I'll in introduce you to some people. You don't have to do something crazy inventive. Just invite someone along with you. And then number three, I think this is super significant. Build a friendship with someone who doesn't know Jesus. Build a friendship. You don't have to convert them on week one. You don't have to talk about Jesus on week one. Just try to let them know that you love them, 
that you care for them. And over time, it will be obvious that you have love for God in your heart. And that will come out, and God will draw them to him. So the how of hospitality, pretty simple. Slow down, look around, and simply invite someone into your life. I want to close with a challenge, and then an encouragement will be done. First, the challenge. The challenge is this, that you're actually invited to be a part of this. You are invited to be a part of this. This is not just for the leaders of the harbor. This is not just for extroverts. This is not just for whoever we would consider to be the popular people at the harbor. I don't know who those are, but this is not for them. This is for everybody. And the truth is that the gift of hospitality is something that we can all step into. Now, there are some people who are actually wired and gifted by God to be hospitable. And while I've been talking, your heart has been racing and you're like, yes, that's me. Like, I love creating community. I love, like, being on Pinterest and looking for how I can decorate my house to invite people in. I love, like, building Facebook events for random things and inviting people to them. And that's amazing. Like, that is so awesome, and I'm thankful for people like that. There are people on our events team. There are people uh, who do that all over. Brian Kelly is, like, creates the most random, cool Facebook events. It's amazing. But at the same time, there are those of us who have that gifting, and we should just keep stepping into it. And I hope that this night is a message for you to say what you have is not just some random, cool thing that you kind of like. It's actually a gift from God. But everyone can step into it. Everyone can activate their faith and step into the gift of hospitality by inviting someone into their life. You don't have to even consider yourself to be like someone who's super connected at the harbor. Maybe even you have been at the harbor for a little while, and you would say, I don't have all the friends that I wish I had, and yet, maybe God is saying to you, the man who has friends must himself be friendly. And God is looking for you to invite people in and build a community around yourself. Maybe you're saying, like, I'm an introvert. Like, I'm kind of like not somebody who likes talking to people a lot. Like, God actually wants to use you. Here's the deal. I don't know if I'm an introvert or an extrovert, but I know I'm kind of intense to talk to. Like, I'm tall. I kind of struggle with RBF sometimes. If you don't know what that is, don't look it up. And, like, I... I like, I like ask a lot of super intense questions, you know, so I, I'll just be standing there and be like, just asking deep stuff, what's your deepest fear? Some people don't want to ask that on the first date, I don't get it, or whatever, you know, the first conversation, I'm like, dude, I'm just trying to get to know you, what's your deepest, darkest fear? Chill. <laughs> but anyways, like, for some of you, like, you have this gentle and quiet and amazing spirit, and you can walk up and talk to someone and sit down next to them, and they would feel so welcome and so loved by you, and they would feel like a warm hug just by you sitting next to them. Meanwhile, I'm over here, I'm like, so uh, what's your favorite office character? Like, who are you gonna cheer for in the Super Bowl? Like, and they're like, <laughs> Everyone can be a part of this. Now here's the encouragement for us before we go. The encouragement is this, you're invited to be a part of it, but you don't have to do it. You don't have to tomorrow invite 47 people over to your house. You don't have to like create an epic Pinterest board to do this. Really, truly, the greatest thing is 
And the gr- one of the great themes of Scripture is be faithful with what God has placed in your hands. And so God has a relationship for you. God has someone that he wants you to talk to, that he wants to invite into this community, that he wants you to show the love of Christ to. Just be faithful with what God has placed in your hands. That's what I love about the idea of inviting. If you invite someone to harbor, it's possible that you're not going to connect with them, but they're going to meet someone else who they connect with and they build friendship with. If you invite someone to community group, you don't have the pressure of constantly being their friend for the next 20 to 30 years because there's this whole community that they're going to get invited into. So just invite them and let God take over from there. I want to put up the four D's one more time, and I want us to talk about this. Imagine what it would look like if someone walked into the harbor with everyone practicing the gift of hospitality. They would experience the warmth of the love of Jesus Christ, and that would help them to make a decision for him. They would feel comfortable getting connected into discipleship. Maybe even that someone in here would help them to be devoted, to help them to to step in and start studying the word of God. Maybe all of us could embrace this direction of hospitality. And now as the band comes out, what I truly believe is that God is inviting us in this moment to step into hospitality together. So I'd like to just take a moment, if you would bow your heads and pray with me. God, we thank you so much for this night. Lord, I know and I'm confident of the fact that this is an opportunity for all of us. That this is an opportunity for us to receive your love but express your love. I think so many of us in here want to know, God, how can we show you love? This is it. Biblical hospitality, actually welcoming and loving those who are far from you. And so, Lord, I believe that you oftentimes bring people into this community. But, but man, I believe that over the next season, you're going to bring more people into this community. But you're asking us to say, are we going to embrace them? Are we going to be happy with, with our clicks? Are we going to be happy with the people that we are comfortable with? Or are we going to open our hearts, open our lives, and welcome new people in? And I love friendships. You love friendships. You got 12 people that you hung out with and went deep with. So we're not asking, and I don't believe you're asking us to just abandon friendships. But I believe you're asking us to open up our hearts, to step deeper into serving and loving you the simplest but the most beautiful and profound way. So God, I pray for boldness. I pray for courage. I pray for divine appointments that we would open up our hearts and open up our lives to you and to the people around us. The last thing I want to do before we pray, before we sing one more song is this. I want to invite anyone here who would say, you know what, Brian, I came in here and you know what? I feel far from you. I feel far from God. And actually what I need more than anything else right now is I need a fresh new start with God. That's awesome. That's amazing. Last week, we had a lot of people raise their hands to receive Jesus's forgiveness and Jesus's love, and Jesus invited them into new life. And so if that's you, if you need forgiveness for your sins, if you need a new start, if you want to be welcomed into God's family and you feel like, man, Brian, I've walked far away from God. I've done some stuff to reject him, to do my own thing. But now I want a fresh start with him. I want God to forgive me. If that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? Yeah, that's amazing. I see hands going up. I see hands going up. Yeah, keep those hands raised. Amazing. Thank you, guys. That's awesome. That's awesome. God, I pray for those who raise their hands. 
Lord, they want a fresh new start with you. They want to receive you, whether it's as a savior for the first time or just to come back to you. I pray that you would touch their lives. I pray that you would encourage them, that you would lift up their hearts, lift up their heads, and that they would know how much you love them. Please forgive them. Please give them a new start, even that they would go over to Connect Bar and get connected to community tonight. We love you, God. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Would you stand with me if you are able? Maybe. We're going <laughs> to sing one more time tonight, guys. We're going to just spend a little bit more time reflecting on this message, processing everything that God is doing for us. And so I want to invite us. I want to invite us. Let's, let's be peaceful. Let's be focused. Let's be locked in on what God's doing. Focus in. Stay with me for this last song. Let's sing.